0: Today, and you probably know the answer, but it's rhetorical. We have to shout it out by any means. But if I was to come off the stage and to ask you, then, towards you, what is the real meaning of Memorial Day? Most likely, you would probably tell me the answer. What is the real meaning of Memorial Day? But amazingly, that question was asked last year by the New York Post. You know, we could not. During the COVID crisis, there was so much happening. The churches were not meeting at this particular time. Things were much different last year, year ago. But there still was Memorial Day, so the New York Post took it upon themselves to conduct a national poll. A national poll meaning they asked some Americans, what is the real meaning of Memorial Day? And surprisingly, here is the they found with their polls. 43% only, 43% were aware that Memorial Day is a holiday honoring those who died in service while in the U.S. Armed Forces. Only 43% of Americans realize what Memorial Day is really about. Now, if you turn that around, that means 57% had no idea. Only 43% did. That's staggering to realize that most half the country, over half the country, did not know the real meaning of Memorial Day. But that's not the only results they obtained from the poll. They also found that 28% mistakenly believe Memorial Day was a holiday honoring all military veterans who had served in the U.S. Armed Forces, which does occur, but that is Veterans Day. Last night, I said, Kayla and I went to a race up in Putnamville. They're recognizing the fact that it is Memorial Day, but they mistakenly ask all the veterans to stand in recognizing the veterans. Now, I'm all about always recognizing veterans, but this is Memorial Day weekend, recognizing those who fought bravely and could not return home. And Memorial Day weekend, yes, we should recognize veterans, but a lot of people associate that with Memorial Day. In fact, 36% admitted to being unsure of the difference between Memorial Day and Veterans Day. And then finally, they said that 46% of the people during this poll had no idea that Memorial Day is celebrated on the last Monday in May. Most believe it occurred on today, the last Sunday in May. As a national holiday set aside as the last Monday in May to remember our fallen heroes, those who died for our very freedom. So, today then is the last Sunday of the month of May. It is not Memorial Day, but nonetheless, it is Memorial Day weekend. So, we do take the liberty here this morning to talk about the real meaning of Memorial Day as it pertains to those brave men and women who fought bravely to ensure our freedom, we talk about not only that, but link that then to how it should also bring great significance to our lives as believers and Christians. Ultimately, we find that we have freedoms that we sometimes take for granted. There is a sacrifice that was paid for our freedom. Our freedom is not free. Which then brings to mind the fact that someone had to pay the price for the freedoms and the life that we so much enjoy. And I was thinking about this week, there's one verse that came to mind and just leaped off the the scriptures of the page in the Gospel of John that brought that to real life. It is John chapter 15, verse 13, which says, Greater love have no man than this, that someone laid down his life for his friends. Greater love. Have no wonder than this that someone laid down his life for his friends let's pray, father, Lord, we're so thankful for this message today that we're about to hear we're so thankful Lord for those men men and women who fought for our freedom Lord, today it reflect upon the sacrifice that they made. we pray Lord you be with those families that they have this time of memorial, this time of reflection dedicated for tomorrow. In fact, at 3 o'clock tomorrow, set aside to reflect upon those men and women who sacrificed their life for our freedom. We pray, Lord, you give strength to those families commemorating this day. We also pray today as believers and Christians you'll speak directly to us as we now link that to how we have a hero in our life who died for us, for all this world, Lord who sacrificed his very life for all of us so that we may not have die but have eternal life. So Lord, we reflect upon that today and link this all together in the message you have for us today. We thank you for what shall happen here today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, in many ways, the scripture we read today, one verse, and it's hard sometimes to think about how we can build one verse upon a particular message, and I don't do that a lot, but in this particular manner, in this particular fashion, John 15:13, as we have read it and have seen it, personifies all service military personnel, and that they literally lay down their life for the love of mankind for people they may not even know, for the love of country, for the love of freedom. It's incredible to think that they would make that ultimate sacrifice for all of us to protect our freedoms that we enjoy every day. Now on that same note, in that same regard, without diminishing the bravery of those military servicemen and women who have sacrificed their lives for our freedom I also can't help but to recognize and realize that we have another fallen hero. Yes, we do. Another fallen hero that absolutely, positively, certainly personifies John 15, 13, and is the one who spoke those very words that the Apostle John captured for us forever. It is none other than the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ who spoke those very words. I mean, he himself truly personifies how we have this friend in Jesus who would lay down his ultimate life for all of us. Now, in thinking about Jesus then as we make that connection of how he truly laid down his life for us, observe and think about Jesus while he was on this earth. I mean, Jesus performed many good works during his time that he was on this earth. In fact, many people suggest that was his primary occupation. In Acts chapter 10, verse 38, it tells us that he, Jesus, went about doing good and healing all. So we know this. I mean, it's not the first time we've heard that Jesus performed many miracles, many different healings. He healed numerous people of different kinds of sicknesses and disease, even restoring the sight to a blind man, and of course raising Lazarus from the dead. So as a result, his reputation as a healer grew so great That wherever Jesus went, people crowded around him, clamoring for his attention, hoping desperately for a cure. And they often truly received it. If you know the scriptures, you know it also refers to those who were oppressed and tormented by evil spirits. And Jesus released them from that bondage. I can think of more than one occasion where he fed massive crowds of thousands of people, provided for people who were hungry. Throughout the ministry that Jesus had, he showed multiple instances of great kindness to those who were held in low esteem. People, if you will, on the margins of society. Children, women, tax collectors, you know, those evil people. Lepers, Samaritans, despised race from the Jewish people, prostitutes, poor, and people who were just powerless. He helped each and every one of them. But according to the scriptures, according to the Bible, it was not any of these particular things that we can recall that Jesus did in his healings, in his miracles, anything that he did in his life that mostly revealed his love but rather the thing that people find revealed the love that Jesus had for all of us was his death. It is what he did in his death that truly reveals the love he had for all of us. So the question really becomes then, why would the death of Christ demonstrate love more than any of the good things that we know that he did? And this morning, we're going to entertain at least three possibilities of why his death illustrated more love than any of those things that he did, of the good works while he was here. And the first that illustrates his death gave us more illustration of his love is the fact that that is the greatest gift possible. It's the greatest gift possible to mankind. You know, when we pray as we did earlier, we always seem to pray and I always kind of end it with the fact that we have the very best, the very best blessing in life was the fact that Christ died for us. That's the ultimate gift possible for mankind. And when you give your life for someone, it is indeed then the greatest gift possible because you are giving all that you have there is nothing left it's all you can give christ died for each and every one of us for all of mankind now as we bring that back full circle to the weekend in which you are commemorating for those who gave their life for our freedoms that's similar to the way it is for many servicemen and women when you really begin to think about it, those brave men and women never got to return home from a foreign land to verbally hear a hero's welcome. They never got to hear it because they sacrificed their life for being our hero, for guaranteeing our freedom. And again, that's very similar in fashion to our Lord. He sacrificed his entire life willingly for you and for me, so that we would never perish. As it tells in John 3, 16, so we should never perish, but have everlasting life. Yes, Jesus gave his life so that we would have life and have it more abundantly. John ten ten says the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. He says, I came, Jesus says, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. This weekend, the extended weekend for nearly all of us, tomorrow we set aside to honor those who gave their life for our very freedom. We set aside a day, listen, we set aside a day to honor those brave men and women who gave their life for our freedom. A day, we set aside a day. But here's the thing every day we should give thanks and honor Jesus for his life that he gave for all of us so we could have life eternal. Yeah, they both ultimately paid the sacrifice to brave men and women. We recognized them on a day, but we always recognize Jesus because he gave his ultimate life so that we truly could be free and have life eternal. Yeah, I was so pleased for the school to come to an end. It's been a difficult kind of year. I mean, driving a bus has had its own set of challenges this year, and and i can sure you can relate to some way about some school year thing for you this year as well. But when the last full week of school, my name over the bus radio was called last week to come to the bus shop because it was time to have a random drug screen. And my name among all the 30 different bus drivers was called to have a random drug screen. And it was kind of coincidental. I mean, there's a couple other pastors who are drivers, and it seemed that not only was it my name called, but a couple other pastors' names were called for this random drug screen. So it requires then that we go back to the bus shop after the morning round. And as we go back in to have the drug screen at random, the administrator must actually make sure it is me not some foreign dude walking in, you know, making it look like Kurt. I know everybody wants to look like Kurt, but I've really got to be me. So the way they, uh, they make sure that it's really me is by asking for my driver's license. You know, they match the photo up and make sure it's really you. Well, the lady administrator that is conducting the test, at random drug screen takes the driver's license and she makes a note. She actually speaks about the fact that I'm an organ donor. On my license, it reveals that I'm an organ donor. And being an organ donor, as you are fully aware, means that upon your death, upon your death, a part of your body is given to another person so that they can live. Upon your death, another person can get a bodily organ that is functioning so that they can continue to live. But when you think about organ donors, that's not always the case where someone must die because we know of times and instances where someone could give a kidney. And all the times we find that is the case where you may give a kidney, for example, to someone you know, to someone you love. Most of the time, it'd be a great close friend or a family member. That's not out of the realm of being unusual. However, last week I read of someone donating a kidney to a complete stranger, which is extraordinary. It's someone they did not know. And that is an amazing selfless act of love. I mean, when you think about the fact that they don't even know the person and they're going to donate a kidney, that is an incredible selfless act of love. Even further, think about the fact that they're choosing to undergo the pain and risk of a surgery, allowing doctors to remove a healthy, functioning part of the body and to give it to someone else, even if you know a person that's a self act But for a stranger, that's incredible. Even further, knowing that if you begin to have kidney problems in the future, you'll need to transplant yourself. All that because you're doing it for the person. There's no personal benefit for you whatsoever. The benefit is all to the recipient. That's for a person who is living that decides to give an organ to someone they know or to a complete stranger, which is amazing. It does happen. But they got thinking about this as I read the article. I've never heard of a living donor volunteering to give their heart for a heart transplant. And you think, well, no, I mean, that's obvious. And it is obvious because that would actually kill the donor. So no one has ever voluntarily, willingly give their heart as a living donor because that would obviously kill the donor. But listen, that's exactly what Jesus did for all of us. When he gave his actual living life, he gave all that he had. Everything that he had, he gave to save us. His own life, he gave to save each and every one of us. Which means that he held absolutely nothing back. He held nothing back for every one of us, for all of mankind going back to relate this particular message once again to servicemen and women they who are killed in action that never returned home gave their all they also then held nothing back sacrificing their very lives so that we can enjoy our freedom again that we simply take for granted i mean the verse that we examine today only john 15:13 greater love hath no man than this that a man laid down his life for his friends. It reveals a very solid truth for us. Always remember that there is no greater gift than someone giving their life for you. It pertains to our servicemen and women, and it absolutely positively pertains to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ who paid the ultimate price of his life so that we could live. Eternally. But it brings up a second observation, second point to how Christ's death illustrated love. That there is no other ultimate expression of love. When you truly think, begin to ponder about the truth in John 15 13, I mean it is one amazing fact to know that someone would love you so much, they love you so much that they would make a sacrifice of their life for you. That is a true ultimate expression of love. But to just make sure that we understand the ultimate expression of love, we will stop for a moment. Let us stop and fully consider, let us fully consider what Jesus did. Fully consider what Jesus did. He did not just lay down his life for a few good buddies, for a few good friends. Not even just for believers like you and I. He did it for everyone. He did it for people who even regarded him as an enemy. You remember the Pharisees? They despised Jesus. They hated him. It wasn't just the close disciples, the 12, the family members. He gave his life for all those who even hated him. And people today still despise Jesus, and he still died for them. It's the ultimate expression of love. Paul wrote in Romans chapter 5, verses 6 through 8, For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one who will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person, one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us, and that while we were still sinners, ungodly people, Christ died for us. Those verses that Paul writes in Romans chapter 5 reminds us that Christ didn't give his life for us after we had repented and after we had asked him forgiveness. He, He didn't wait for us to start to seek him. He died in advance for all of us while we were still ungodly sinners, even possibly rejecting his goodness, his authority, ignoring his teachings, maybe even showing contempt for his love and mercy. He died for all of us, even while this was happening in our lives. He died for all of us. I mean, can you imagine that? Let me ask you the question again and think about your answer. Could you possibly imagine dying for one of your family members or friends? Because Christ died for all of us. Now, it might be this it might be that we can possibly begin to contemplate in our mind, maybe even our heart, that we might lay down our life for a really, really good friend and maybe truly for a family member. I mean, if I'm looking over Sheila and my children, I'm thinking I possibly could lay down my life. I hope I'm never in a situation, but I possibly be willing to lay down my life for them and lay down my life for you. But for an enemy? For someone that despises you will curse the very ground that you walk upon to spit upon you to mock you I mean to give your life for any enemy for people who hate you despise you is truly an act of love the ultimate expression of love I mean consider that to do it for any person you love is is a selfless act of love but for an enemy. It's something else entirely. I mean, that kind of love goes beyond the ability of the world to even begin to comprehend. I don't know how often you may go onto to the website I Am Second. It's a great site to go to to hear all kinds of various personal testimonies. But there's one there of a guy named Chris Plinkenpool who tells a story when he could have saved, he's a military man, He could have saved, he recognized a moment in his life where he could have saved his enemy. But in his very words, he said, I didn't have the guts to do it. Here's Chris's story. He was serving his country in the army. He was stationed temporarily in Korea. He gets commissioned at that time to become a squad commander, the leader over 100 men. And the call comes to ready his men for the war years ago occurred in Iraq. And he says that's when things truly for him begin to get intense. Here's his words as he talks about it on the I Am Second website. He said after he was commissioned to become a squad commander, a couple of months later, he said, I found myself in a sandbox in Iraq. And I'm now the commander of 100 men, 21 tanks, seven Bradleys, which are like mini tanks, and a handful of Humvees. He said, I'll never forget my first day at the command post and seeing the heat waves bounce off the ground. It's 125 degrees outside. And I look down at my watch and boom! A massive explosion erupts about a quarter mile out. Smoke and fire bellows a mushroom cloud about 150 feet high. I run back into the command post to figure out what's next. And I hear three words come across the radio that you'd never want to hear, killed in action. He continues, in my first four minutes, I lose my first soldier. He's, I immediately run, get my M4 rifle, my 9mm pistol. I put my flak vest on, I sprint down to my tank. I charge the 50mm machine gun. My loader takes a 45-pound, 120-round, and puts it in the breech of my main gun. My gunner toggles the switches on the computer while my driver pushes that 70 seventy-ton, 72-ton beast at a machine at 43 miles per hour. All I wanted was to pound the enemy with everything I got. The terrorists start to withdraw to the north. I send two tanks across the river to follow, and I follow in my tank. A hundred men behind me, and we start searching, house to house, after about seven hours of searching, we find nothing. Is at this point I'm emotionally drained. I just lost my first soldier, and I got to go back to the command and write a letter to the soldier's wife and to a thirteen-year-old daughter. Spiritually, it felt like God must have taken a day off. Chris begins to continue to voice his frustration and how he begins very tired day in and day out. with a similar routine. But then he says this then in his testimony. He says, one day out in the sector, he said this terrorist takes a car bomb, plows it right into one of my men's tanks. The car doesn't explode. In fact, there's something wrong or is miscalibrated where somehow the detonator didn't work. So the terrorist rams the car straight into the tank, and the terrorist gets knocked out. The entire gas tank explodes, and we have a massive inferno moving from the rear of the car to the front where the bombs are. So the terrorist, in the fact that he's knocked out, rolls out of the car. Now he wakes up because the heat is incredible. He rolls away from the blast. There's a moment. He said, there's a moment in that particular time where I could have saved his life, the enemy, the terrorist. I saw the moment, saw the opportunity, but I did not do it. I said to myself, I'm not willing to die for my enemy right now. So I just watch him. The explosion erupted as did the terrorists. Chris reflects further and says this. I'm not the man Christ was. Christ died for his enemy. He did what I could never do. We may never be put in a situation like this. We may never be put in a situation where we even have to decide if we'd be willing to die for the loved one beside us. I hope that never happens. But Christ died for not only those he loved, but he died for his enemy, the people who despised him. That is the ultimate expression of love. So in the death of Christ, yes, the greatest gift possible is the ultimate expression of love. And thirdly, notice how it was completely voluntary. No one compelled Jesus. He did this on his own free will. In John chapter 10, verse 17, 18, it says, the reason, Jesus speaks, the reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down in my own accord. I have the authority to lay it down and the authority to take it up again. This command I receive from my Father. Which again tells us that Jesus died voluntarily for each and every one of us. He died voluntarily, willingly. Now, perhaps somehow, some way, we've been clouded. Maybe we've had some sort of vision problem. Maybe we've been under the impression that Jesus was arrested and taken before Pilate against his will. That he was tortured, that he was whipped, that he was beaten, that he was nailed to the cross because he just couldn't escape. Nothing could be further from the truth. Jesus was in complete control at every point. It's hard for us to fathom that, but he's in complete control. He made this clear in Matthew 26, verse 53 and 54. He rebuked the disciples, saying, Do you think I cannot call on my father? And he will at once put a, a at board my disposal more than twelve legions of angels? But how then would the scriptures be fulfilled that say it must happen in this way? Jesus was sure enough in full control. He died voluntarily and willingly, sacrificing an act of love and service. Now, here's the connection for us, then, because in the same way, our love and service to one another, if it's truly to be Christ like, if we really want to be Christ like love and service, it must be voluntarily. True sacrificial service needs to come from a willing heart. If someone is serving out of love, then it's the very last thing you hear coming out of their mouth is complaining about how others aren't doing their share. I hear that all the time at work. At work, wherever you are, it probably is the same way. Well, so-and-so just ain't doing enough. They're not pulling their weight. All they do is complain. It happens. But when you're truly voluntarily, willingly, acting upon love to serve, you don't complain about it. I mean, a person could care less about what others are doing. When you're truly acting out of love, voluntarily and willingly, you could care less what others' are thinking are doing. All you know is that you're grateful for the opportunity to show love in Christ to others. As Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 5, he said, For Christ's love compels us, because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. What that means is that his love should compel each and every one of us out of love and compassion for the fellow man. Only our motivation is to be to please him and to serve him. Nothing else should matter. And as we think about that, then it can bring us again full circle back to this weekend that we're actually enjoying. With the beautiful weather that we're having today, the extended weekend into tomorrow. It brings us back to the fallen heroes. Those service men and women who gave all they had who held nothing back, willing to sacrifice for the love of God, the love of country, and the love of mankind. We honor those fallen on Memorial Day tomorrow. You may have heard me mention earlier, it actually occurred. There is a time in which is set aside, not only for tomorrow to honor those, but a particular time. Three o'clock local time, wherever you are, is a time in which a person is supposed to pause, reflect upon, and pray for those who gave their life for our freedom. And tomorrow morning, there many different ceremonies all around, wherever you may go, wherever you may be, honoring those who follow But there's actually a day and time set aside to remember those who gave their life. Three o'clock tomorrow afternoon is the time. Maybe you didn't know that, but that is the time, and that is the day no doubt they deserve to be honored because they've made the actual sacrifice, the ultimate sacrifice for all of us in our freedom. And as much as we can fully appreciate that application to all of our lives and even correspond that to the fact that there's people who are first responders that sometimes give their lives for others, we must also realize of the person who started it all who gave his very life and set the pattern for everyone, was Jesus. Jesus started it all by giving his life and set the pattern for all mankind. Not taking anything away from those brave men and women, not diminishing their sacrifice they had. But we must remember, as Christians, as believers, the person who paid the price for our sin. Yes, absolutely, positively, honorably, military men and women die for their family and their country. And we need to honor that. But Jesus died for the entire world. This weekend, we take an opportunity to remember and honor the men and women who died for our freedom. We take an opportunity to remember them for our freedom. But every day, we need to always honor the one who took our sin and died for us so we could live eternally. There's one verse that makes all this connect and make this happen. Years ago, I memorized John 15, 13 to King James. That greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. That verse personifies our heroes we celebrate this weekend, but we'll always, always, always personify our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Father, Lord, we thank you for this message today, a simple little message, Lord, telling us about the love you have for us, of how you gave your life for each and every one of us, Lord. A selfless act, one voluntarily, willingly, We correlate that and correspond correspond that, Lord, to those men and women we honor this weekend. We recognize how we set aside a day to honor those men and women who paid that price for us. But, Lord, today also we're recognizing how every day we should honor you and thank you for the sacrifice you made for us. So, Lord, let us today be thankful. Thankful twofold. For those brave men and women who sacrifice for our freedom, that then also at the same time simultaneously be thankful and honor you for sacrifice you have. Taken upon yourself the sins of this world. We thank you, Lord Jesus. It's your name we pray. Amen.